This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Funniest player on the team for me is Belly, and it's the way he delivers them for real. It's like when he delivers his jokes, there's no laugh, and you really can't even tell if he's serious tonight. Yes, we deserve this win, man. Fox Force 5 flying high in both teams. Oh, my goodness. I'm feeling great, man. I'm feeling like the best I've ever felt. I'm excited. I'm, I'm all about winning. I know that the fans here are extremely loyal and passionate. And just like them, I, I want to become not just a playoff team, but a sustained playoff team and eventually get back to some of that championship success and contention. With the 12th pick in the 2020 NBA Draft, Sacramento Kings select Tyrese Halliburton. Imagine being one of those players that's on a team that you know hasn't been in the playoffs in over a decade, almost two decades, about a decade and a half, then being the first team to actually get to the playoffs. Just being able to be a part of that would definitely be something special. And if we can, you know, end up building a championship contending team, you're winning a championship in Sacramento like that. That's looked at a lot differently. You probably feel better than you do with anything else. Welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse Podcast presented by the King's Herald. My name is Brendan Nunez. Got Bryant West on here as it's becoming the usual. What's going on, Bryant? How you doing? I'm doing all right. Uh, that was mostly okay game of uh, week of basketball. Um, last uh, quarter of the Trailblazers game was a little bit of a letdown, but uh, Kings were competitive, played two real decent teams, and a uh, lot of good to go with one and one record. So, yeah, we are recording this right after the Portland Trail Blazers game that Sacramento ended up dropping one thirty-two to one twenty-six. Um, and since that's the fresh one, we can probably start with reactions of that one first. Uh, we haven't recorded uh, reacting to the Indiana game either. I had a little bit of traveling I had to do for work. Um, so, yes, we'll talk about this uh, this Portland game that started off with some crazy shot-making from Sacramento. Um, Fox playing the entire first quarter and having 15 minutes. Um, and really just, I mean, the offense was, was clicking on all cylinders in the first quarter. Shots were going yeah, down. Yeah, it really was. Uh, Kings went, uh, the Kings guard combo of Fox and Buddy Heald went to 10 of 14 in that first half from deep. And uh game really looks a lot easier when De'Aaron Fox and Buddy Hill are both making their shots. Um, yeah, and but, De'Aaron Fox hitting those threes is uh, very, very nice to see. Yeah, this that step back three was probably the highlight of his week. That was a beautiful sight to see. If he can make that on any sort of consistent basis, it just opens up everything. But uh, shots didn't go quite so well in that uh, fourth quarter. Um, Buddy yeah. Hill went... Uh, one of six from deep in that fourth quarter, and he uh, had 18 attempts yeah. from three. Yeah, that's pretty 18. incredible when you just lay out the number like that. Even though it's, um, 
I'd say most of them looked pretty good. He just he went ice cold in that fourth quarter. So yeah, and um, yeah, you know it, this season. Yeah, he no, he um he did, and but I, I mean, I, I feel like the offense obviously has been good for Sacramento these last few games, um, and the defense is on the polar opposite there. Um, over the last six games, they've put up 106 points, 128, 123, um, only 99 in the first Portland showing, and then 127 and 126, but their opposition um, over those same six games, 137, 124, 144, 125, 122, and tonight against Portland, 132. Um, I, I mean, it's so streaky, right? They they went on, um, obviously, this run in the first quarter, had a, a substantial lead. I, I want to say 15 points, something around that range. I don't have it exactly in front of me. Um, and I think that a lot of it has to do with shots falling, obviously. And then I think they get a little complacent, um, with three pointers going down and then throw up a few bad looks. Um, or we've also seen definitely streaky moments of a lot of turnovers that lead to some easy transition opportunities, uh, that we definitely saw for Portland in the beginning of the fourth quarter for this one. Um, yeah, I, I think they start to settle a little bit when these shots start to go down. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, this season has been a bit of a roller coaster, I think, but it's pretty clear who this Kings team is. Uh, when that offense is going, they can stay with anybody. They had uh, two separate leads of 19 points tonight, and uh, like you said, they were just hitting on every cylinder. And when the Kings are uh, shooting like that, they can beat anybody. But as soon as that offense begins to falter, they're doomed within just a couple of minutes, and they'll give up any amount of lead uh, yeah. in a heartbeat. Um you know, the offense doesn't keep up on a night-to-night basis, uh, they're done. Um, I think, you know, you pointed out just how many points they're allowing per game. Here's another way to look at it. In their last six games, they've held a team under 50% shooting only twice. Wow. Yeah, it, it, wow. it's it's stupid hard when you're letting the other team, I mean, I think the uh, Blazers shot 53% tonight. I mean, what are you going to do if your defense is like that? Um I hate keep coming back to the silver lining, but they've been competitive in all but three of their games. They were competitive in both games this week, even when their defense just totally lets them out. Uh, I don't know how any Kings fan can expect anything from this team in a meaningful way until that defense makes some sort of leap. Yeah, and obviously just an extremely notable difference with Holmes out there compared to any other center um, being Whiteside, or we even saw some Metu minutes tonight in place of Whiteside. Um, It was funny. I mean, it was definitely Whiteside matching minutes with Cantor tonight. And yeah. uh, that that's quite the the center matchup going on there. And there was like a, I think there was one or two possessions in a row where they uh, kind of had a one on one with post ups that was quite uh, quite the showing. Yeah, it was. It's old school basketball right there from uh, two guys who really should only be in the game when they can match up against each other. Right. Um, yeah, and, and Holmes, a lot of it was obviously Holmes matching minutes with Nurkic because he's the only guy that stood any real chance there. Um, and, and Nurkic um, was a little bit allowed to, I don't know, Nurkic, Nurkic is is very physical and, and Holmes is a little undersized for him, I think. Um, and, and when it's a pick and roll with Damer, CJ, 
Um, Holmes is obviously very engaged with one of those two guys. And then the help side defender, a lot of times it felt like it was Corey Joseph or Tyrese Halliburton, and that guy's not slowing down um, Nurkic. Um, and, yeah, like you said, uh, the, the field goal percentage for a lot of these opposing teams recently, um, you know, a lot of them being 50% plus, which is absolutely ridiculous. Um, a lot of free throws or I'm sorry, a lot of layups, also free throws, um, which obviously Dame is great at at getting himself to the line there. Um, but yeah, I mean, at, in that third quarter, Sacramento was up 96 to 78. Portland goes on a 22 to nine run to close the quarter, um, ends up 105 to 100 going into the fourth quarter. That's not the final score of the game, um, which is just ridiculous. Um, you know, Bagley... I didn't see exactly how many minutes he played in this second half, but it was another one of these where you hardly saw him out there. You know, 19 minutes on the night, and the rest of the starters all had 35-plus. Um, you know, you, you've been very big about, you know, just a development year, um, staying competitive, and wins and losses aren't the biggest thing. I mean, do you wish Bagley was out there a little more? Well, you just have to take it on a game-to-game basis and admit that there's a – much smaller window for uh, teams that Marvin Bagley can just slide into and easily handle crunch time minutes against right now. And uh, going up against Yusuf Nurkic is not one of those kind of guys. He's, I mean, like you said, Sean Holmes is a little undersized. He's the only dude that stands a chance against him, but uh, Nurk can just bowl Marvin Bagley over any time he wants. Uh, and Dame Lillard, every time Marvin Bagley was out there, he got switched onto him. And to Marvin's credit, I thought – he did uh, a decent job of always getting in Dame's face, but you just can't do anything uh, against when you've got a young seven-foot big guy getting switched on to Dame Lillard. So um, I really don't think this was a game where I needed to see Marvin Bagley in crunch time, and I think the Kings lineup that they ran out there with uh, Tyrese Halliburton, Harrison Barnes, and uh, Holmes was probably their best shot of winning the game. So. Uh, it's hard to say that because, like you said, I'm the guy who wants Marvin Bagley to get every meaningful minute he can get, but uh, I don't know that this was that game. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm with you there. Um, I, I think that it definitely wouldn't have hurt to see Bagley like in place of those Metu minutes, although I was really glad to see Metu out there, um, especially over Whiteside. I've, I've preached that one before, and I think it's a pretty obvious adjustment, but it also shows, you know, like, Metu, his only opportunities were garbage time minutes, and he showed up a little bit in those times and got some minutes. And Bagley's gotten garbage time minutes and not been able to show anything. It's like if you do show up in garbage time, like it does matter. I I get that it's not going to contribute to winning, but it will work you back into the rotation. Yeah, I agree. And I think uh, Metu played well in his garbage minutes. He did take advantage of it. Uh, I think the only two main mistakes were that Tyrese Halliburton thought for some reason he could handle the ball at the top of the key and just left poor Metu there to get swarmed by the Blazers' defense. But other than that, he was as competitive as any king out there tonight. So I think he definitely deserved another run in that uh, second half, even if it did come at the expense of Bagley. Yeah, and it was only three minutes, um, but glad to see him rolled out there. And I'd assume that we see a little bit more opportunity, even if it's just, you know, three minutes here, three minutes there, and um, a chance to prove yourself a little bit, which I get it's not the easiest thing to get into a rhythm with short stretches like that, but um, kind of how NBA, NBA rotations are going to work. And Tyrese Hall- Halliburton continues to shoot the heck out of this out of the ball. 
Um, I, I'm convinced that he's actually a ridiculous three-point shooter, and I knew that he obviously his numbers at Iowa State were crazy. Um, but most of the time, I, I don't expect guys to come over and just instantly be like elite three-point shooters. And you know, maybe he doesn't keep this up. It was three of four tonight, um, and I, I believe he's above fifty percent on the year. I have the broadcast going in the background. Yes. And uh, updated stat was I think he's second of people with at least 40 field goal attempts to only Seth Curry. Um, ridiculous shooter. Ridiculous Absolutely. shooter already. It's such a confidence seeing him get that ball and you know what's going in if he's wide open. Um, you know, I want to keep stressing that once those uh, open shots narrow down and more of them are contested, because I still say a decent number of them are guys not expecting this rookie just to pull it so smoothly. Uh, I expect he's not going to shoot 51% from three for the entire season, but he's clearly a great shooter, uh, and it's really great to see that be unlocked so quickly into his NBA career. Yeah, I think that he did get a little bit exposed tonight. I I think that uh, Portland seemed uh, prepared for Halliburton. Um, He was, I mean, we've said before, like, obviously he's going to struggle in some ISO situations, and we saw that with Damon CJ tonight. Um, That I mean, it's just not um, a good matchup for him, obviously. That's not somebody he's going to stay in front of in isolation or anything like that. Um, It seemed like Dame's eyes lit up a little bit when Halliburton was covering him. Um, and, and then we also saw some of these jump passes that I think do a good job manipulating defenses at times, but also when you're up in the air, you're kind of stuck and forced to make a pass. Um, and you could see the Blazers coaching staff when Halliburton gets in the air screaming at their defense um, to to close out on all the passing lanes, mainly that opposite corner where it felt like healed was a lot. Um, and I think that, yeah, Portland seemed a little bit more prepared for Halliburton in this one and, uh, we're able to take advantage of a little bit of those flaws. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, Tyrese Halliburton has always been the king of the jump pass. He was pretty probably the only collegiate player you ever want taking that kind of pass. But, uh, as soon as you get in the NBA, there's a lot better, uh, game to game scouting and Blazers were clearly ready for it tonight. So. Yeah, um, one other thing I want to say here, obviously, or I guess we already touched on it, um, Buddy Heald does look like he's back, and I think this is how we can kind of transition back to this uh, Indiana game as well, where he also shot ridiculously well from three. Um, yeah, again, that Portland game, 8 of 18. I had no clue looking when I was uh, headed to this box score that he shot 18 attempts from three, but he, he shot amazingly tonight. Um, he, he obviously got a lot up at the end there. Um, but six of 11 from three in that Indiana game as well after an extremely cold start for Buddy Heald. Um, uncharacteristic. He was still getting up the amount of attempts, um, but over 11 games, which I don't know if that includes, that does not include the Portland game. Um, over 11 games, it had been 35% on just under 10 attempts, um, which obviously you expect Heald to, to get back closer to a, 38 something in that sort of range mm-hmm. um and, and it seems like we might be getting back to that a little bit yeah I think it's we know who Buddy Heald is at this point he's a streaky shooter and he goes through big slumps he goes through uh extended slumps pretty much has the beginning of each of the last three seasons now um but once he gets going he Buddy Heald is uh, respected around the league for a reason the gravity that he generates even when he's in a cold slump, uh, really unlocked a lot for De'Aaron Fox tonight. Uh, but it would also key to point out 
uh, by the end of that Blazers game, he really did cool off in the third quarter. Unlike the Indiana game where he was pretty much uh, going throughout the entire game and the Kings really needed uh, one of his big threes late. So tonight it wasn't quite so fortunate, but in that Indiana game, I think uh, Kings don't win that game if Buddy didn't hit that uh, real sweet corner three to uh, in final minute, I think. So. Yeah, and I, I think I expected Heald to put up some pretty big numbers this year. I thought that he would it wouldn't surprise me if he ended up uh, leading the team in scoring. And obviously, like you said, he's been a little slow. And you see streaky moments from shooters. Um, but, yeah, I expect him to kind of get some numbers up. Um, and, yeah, I mean, 18 in that game. And really it felt like the, the highlight, I, I guess there's kind of a co-highlight, but uh, Barnes was, was phenomenal in that Indiana game. Um, and he's one of the few guys it feels like that really just is able to make things happen within the flow of the offense um, and, and just notice his opportunities without plays being called specifically for him. Um, but in this one, there was a lot of Justin Holiday guarding Harrison Barnes. And while I get, you know, he was miscast as a primary option, he got a lot of reps being the go-to guy. And if you're going to put a clear mismatch on him, Barnes can definitely take advantage of that. And you saw that in the Indiana game, 30 Absolutely. points, 10 of 14 from the field, 8 of 8 from the free throw line, um, 8 rebounds, 2 assists, only 1 turnover and a steal as a cherry on top. He was phenomenal. Yeah, we've been singing his praises for a week now, but I mean, what would the Kings record be without Harrison Barnes? He's putting up career highs in assists, rebounds, field goal percentage, three-point percentage, stocks. He's been absolutely amazing. And and then Rashawn Holmes was the other guy I was hinting at is, I guess, the co-star of this game. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcast. Uh, my understanding, he went into the fourth quarter with, with five fouls, right, and then came away with four blocks in that quarter. Yes. Um, and yeah. some very big ones. There was one two-handed one that he probably could have grabbed, to be honest, uh, but he volleyball swatted it. Um, there was crazy recoveries where he was on the other side of the rim and managed to to uh, to get back over there and just be a phenomenal rim protector in that fourth quarter despite the foul troubles. Yeah, I mean, every Kings fan loves Rashawn Holmes because the dude, I mean, if you just look at him, even on a night-to-night basis, knowing who he is, the shots that he just suddenly gets up there and swats out of there, it just doesn't look like he has any business doing it. But he's the most, uh, he's the fiercest king I think this team has had in a long time. And uh, they would have been dead in the water in that uh, Pacers game without him, so. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, like I said, I had to do a, a lot of drive-in over the last two days for work. Um, so I did miss a good portion of this Indiana game. Is there other notes from this? Um, I, I did a preview before going into the game and then talked to uh, Mark Schindler, uh, who was the Indiana cover, and he pretty much said this was the worst defensive game he's seen this year from Indiana, um, which was a little part of it. But what other uh, things do you feel like were notable from that one? 
Well, Sacramento definitely was on an offensive tear to uh, go in this game. They ended up shooting 56% from the field. Uh, they were really clicking. But uh, what I was really impressed with was that the Kings' offense pretty much went cold in the last couple of minutes of the Indiana game. But Rashawn Holmes just decided, you know what, I'm going to grab every rebound. I think he pulled it down in between three Pacers players to get the ball over to uh, Buddy Heald for a three. And then the next play, he passed that shot back out to De'Aaron Fox, where Fox had the uh, crazy highlight dunk that pretty much sealed it. So, uh, yeah, so Rashawn Holmes just said, no, we're not losing this game. Right. I saw the highlight, obviously, before the game. Um, I, I couldn't help but get that one spoiled. And then when I was doing my rewatch, I did not realize that it was with like a minute left, not yeah. even in the game, that, that that was to ice the game, which just made it so much better. It was fantastic, especially since Fox had been really quiet in that crunch time. Uh, but he just went at it when he needed to. Yeah, uh, Sabonis was... switched on to him, no chance. Yeah, no, he had him gone in a step and a half. It's uh, absolutely the right thing that Darren Fox needs to do as soon as he gets any sort of daylight like that, uh, even against a great defensive team like the Pacers, he took advantage. Yeah, uh, yeah. What do you what do you think of? We we've seen Fox be very confident from behind the line this year, um, and you know I I think some people would say that maybe he's settling, and, and those aren't. The, the best looks for someone that clearly uh, probably succeeds mostly getting to the rim. Um, what, what do you think of the the kind of quick trigger I feel like he's had from the three-point line? I think Fox needs that, um, especially to make games like this one happen. Sacramento pretty much was only had – Sacramento had their big leads uh, in this game when De'Aaron Fox was taking the shots. Um, and sure, he's not going to shoot as well as he did tonight. I think he had like – three threes at halftime. Um, but he needs to be that kind of shooter to really unlock the next step in his game. And he was making the Blazers pay tonight. And the Kings don't have enough other guaranteed offensive options to the point where I let De'Aaron Fox take those shots. He needs to become that guy for this offense to take the next step. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Um, 100% like to see him pulling it. I've seen people on Twitter caught up tonight in his one air ball. Um, which is a, a little ridiculous to me. Um, a, a little is probably me just being kind. Um, yeah, I, I mean, Buddy Heald is is airballing threes as well. Like, yeah. I, I, Fox needs to be able to keep the defense honest. Guys are going under every single time on him. Um, I, I love him pulling it. The one I didn't probably love tonight was I, I think he came off a screen, um, and I thought he had a lot of room to get downhill, but then did uh, one of these, like, buddy CJs, you know, coming off the screen and then right behind, I believe it was home screening for him, pulling it. Um, I, I don't Again, I don't hate it, but, like, that's one where I probably felt like I would have preferred something else, but I love him expanding his game like that. I think the confidence needs to stay, um, which it seems so far into this uh young season that it's not going anywhere. Um, it's a part of his game that he 100% needs to develop. And a lot of that is just remaining confident, which seems to be the case right now. And I'm sure nights like this definitely help with that. Um, I'm 100% with you. Fox needs to be pulling these. Um, it's great for the offense. It's going to keep defenses honest and it's just going to lead to more opportunities at the rim where he really succeeds. 
Yeah, honestly, I think it's just the next level in him unlocking his aggressiveness. Um, he knows that he can get to the basket, and is there going to be a balance between um, taking the kind of shots that he needs to? Absolutely. But I think when he he took advantage of it tonight, um, and it was unfortunate that the entire team cooled off in that fourth quarter because uh, I think it really wasted what was a exceptional bubble-like uh, performance from De'Aaron Fox in that first half. Yeah, I think the only other note before I move on to kind of the blockbuster trade that went down today um, from these two games, the, the pick-and-roll defense from uh, in that Indiana game was was pretty rough. Indiana is a very pick-and-roll-heavy team, um, and we've seen Sacramento yeah. struggle against those um, those offenses, and, and they didn't switch quite as much, but it was just, you heard Christy pointing it out on the broadcast, um, so many pocket passes, and it's like someone put your hand there. The big man, I don't care if you kick the ball, stop that pocket pass. It was just happening over and over and over. Um, and there wasn't all too much adjustment there. So that was a little frustrating. Yeah. So bonus absolutely took advantage of that in the Indiana game. Uh, he's, you know, the, the big men have to be ready for uh smart big men to be passing out of that. So, right. Yeah. Um, so that that's all I have on those games. Is there anything else that you feel like was notable before we move on to uh, to this trade? No, I think, uh, you know, speaking of this trade, um, I think Indiana is a good team. Uh, I, I say this every year, but um, we always undervalue uh, the cohesive unit that they manage to put out every day. And while Victor Oladipo was a big reason why the Pacers were even in that game, Late in the fourth quarter, he's no longer a pacer. He is not. Um, pretty much swapped for um, Victor Oladipo, or I'm sorry, for Karis LeVert, um, which is interesting because my understanding is that Oladipo's role this year became a little bit more off-ball in the new offensive system that uh, Nate Bajorkin, uh, that's, I think so. That's how I'm well, going to go with that last name. Yeah. Um, ha, has kind of implemented, and, and Levert is very ball dominant. Um, yeah. So I'll be a little curious to see how that goes. Um, and, and there's not that much of an age gap between them as you would kind of, I don't know, at least like I hear Levert, and I definitely think of him as a lot younger of a guy than Oladipo, and that's not necessarily the case. Um yeah, I, I think it's I think it's very interesting for Indiana and uh, Houston's point of view. It it wouldn't surprise me if this was uh, um, ha- had to do with the the money situation that uh, seems to kind of revolve around Fertitta at times with Levert having more guaranteed uh, money on his deal and Oladipo being expiring. Yeah, absolutely. I think so. Um, you know, I, I, there's a whole bunch of smart Pacer fans out there that are questioning this move for Indiana tonight. But uh, I think knowing that uh, Victor Oladipo was out this season, I thought Karis Levert uh, makes a lot of sense for a team that really needs uh, another go-to kind of creator. So uh, I thought they made out pretty well there. Yeah, and like, yeah, I mean, Levert is locked up for longer, and Depot like quietly. I don't know if it was directly, but pretty much like wanted out of Indiana. Um, and, and he, he kept powering through it for a little while. So if, you know, there was a deal that was going to be made no matter this year, I think Lavert, if that is the case, I think Lavert is a good return for them. Um, and yeah. Okay. So how I like do I, the Cavs, I buried the lead 
<laughs> right, yeah. right. The most important part. How did the Cavs do this? How did the Cavs get Jared Allen for what did they even give up? Like I have I don't even understand. Milwaukee's first next year. Like what? What? I don't understand. I, I, I don't understand like, how Cleveland sl- slipped into this and swapped a, what'll be a really late first next year for Jared Allen and Torian Prince. Which must have been um, Houston not having interest in Allen because Allen was a return from the Harden deal. Like it doesn't, I, I don't understand. And I don't even feel like I can criticize Sacramento being like, oh, you should have been the team that got in on this. Like, I think there's probably like 20 teams that should have got in on that if they had the chance. I agree. It's, it's insane yeah. that Allen had like that low value. Yeah, it is absolutely incredible. Um, the Cavs have, this is the type of big man that they need for the long term. Um, Drummond isn't going to be there when the guards and uh, our buddy Isaac Okoro get to their prime. Uh, Jared Allen absolutely could be, and that's going to be a really fun defensive team to watch when they figure it all out. I mean, they're kind of figuring out right now, aren't they, like top five in the NBA right now in defensive success? Right, which, yeah, we'll, we'll see if that uh, if that holds up. I, I would probably bet against that one. Um, I think so. Hey everyone, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or, if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is, you can get all of this for only $15 a month. The same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com slash join. Before we move to Brooklyn's point of view, um, I I think the more relevant one for Sacramento is Houston. um, And they are bringing back in return for shipping off a – overweight, unengaged James Harden. Um, They're getting back Victor Oladipo, Dante Exum, who I don't remember the exact injury, but um, has a a notable injury currently. Uh, Ronis Kuruks, three Brooklyn first-rounders that are unprotected, uh, Milwaukee first-rounder from 2022, and then four of the Brooklyn first-round swaps. So pretty much they have control of Brooklyn's first-rounders until 2027. Um, Yeah. The, but I think what's important this year for Sacramento's point of view is is Houston without James Harden and Victor Oladipo in his place a better team in Sacramento? And I think it's a pretty obvious answer, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, it, it, I mean, Wall, Victor Oladipo, Christian Wood, DeMarcus Cousins, if he can stay healthy, uh, P.J. Tucker, yeah. I mean, Eric that's, Gordon. That's a, Eric Gordon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Kings couldn't beat them with James Harden on the bench. So why would we think that they could beat them with uh, uh, Victor Oladipo playing? So 
Right. Yeah. Three and six for Houston, five and seven for Sacramento right now. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think Houston is the better team there. Again, the three teams that I feel like are worse than Sacramento probably are, are Memphis, OKC, and Minnesota. Um, still feel pretty good about that. We saw a little bit of a showdown at the bottom with Memphis and Minnesota today. And, man, Minnesota cannot play defense. Like when, when Sacramento and Minnesota play, it's going to be first to 170. Um, that's going to be quite a showing. But, yeah, no, I feel like Houston is is clearly still the better team there. Um, I, I don't know. If I call it playoffs, it's probably like a play-in slash playoffs conversation for them. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, I think when it comes to Sacramento's point of view that uh, that uh, Houston is, is the better team there, feel pretty good about that one. And we saw, um, you know, a lot of talks that uh, Philadelphia was the team for a while. It felt like it was going to be something packaged or centered around Ben Simmons for James Harden, and then we saw Tyrese Maxey's name thrown in there, saw Matisse Thibel's name thrown in there, um, and I was shocked when Houston was asking for more than than Ben Simmons. Yeah. I, I mean, I get asking for more, but I thought like Simmons for Harden straight up, and you're done. Um, Would you have taken Ben Simmons and just say one of those two young guys over eight picks for the next season, or you know, controlling another team's draft capital for eight seasons? Because I, I, Ben Simmons is a great player. I might I think I probably, yeah, I think I would too. It was a real conundrum, um, especially and, if it's uh, Maxi. Yeah, especially if it's Max. Well, you and I are irrationally fond of Tyrese Maxi. Yeah, so. and I do like Thibault a lot, but yeah, yeah, I, I, mean, I agree. Yeah, because I, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, the team uh, Brooklyn obviously is likely very good, um, at, at least for the short term and you know the hope would be that you see another Brooklyn situation from previously when they traded for uh made that infamous trade with Boston um and that maybe these later ones end up as as lottery picks but um yeah I I don't know how and then what you just hope for one Ben Simmons pretty much right yeah um yeah so yeah but do you think that this um it, like that Philadelphia is in a position where they're looking to make a move. And obviously it's hard to tell, or was it just like, you know, you have to be a part of talks when it's freaking James Harden, you know, like Philadelphia has started very well, eight and four. Joel Embiid looks like an MVP candidate. I don't know that I feel like they're out there like looking to make moves or no. anything. Well, I'd kind of be surprised if they're not out there looking to make a move, but it is I don't Darryl think yeah, it is Daryl Morey, but I don't think they're out there having multiple conversations about Ben Simmons. Right. I think this was just the absolute culmination of a player within a superstar within their age window who happened to have a previous relationship with Daryl Morey. Probably it was kind of a perfect storm Philly had to be in the talks there. Um, but I would be kind of surprised if they're not out there looking for some other creator on the on the perimeter. Um you know, it's a clear and obvious uh, buddy trade, buddy healed trade candidate, and will be until uh, buddy healed's not wearing a Kings jersey anymore. But yeah, so it'll be interesting. I definitely think that a bunch of the teams in the East, including your beloved Boston Celtics, probably uh, think they've got to make some kind of move now based on this. Um, 
I mean, if everything clicks, the Brooklyn Nets are probably the most talented team in the East. Now, who knows if everything will click, given all the complex parts of that new triangle of superstars. Um, But, I mean, they could still be figuring things out in the playoffs and have a better chance than all but a couple teams. So, Right. Yeah, I, I'm going to keep saying that I think the Harrison Barnes into Boston's TPE makes a whole lot of sense um, with a you know something like a Neesmith in return or a first-rounder this year. Um, maybe if you can pull both because it's going to be a late first more than likely, you know, something in the 20s. Um, but if you're talking Philadelphia's point of view with Buddy Heald, um, you know, like Danny Green, Mike Scott, and Thibault for Bielitsa and Heald, I don't know. I, I don't know. Like, I, I honestly don't know if I was Philadelphia's point of view that I feel great about that. Um, Danny Green is, I don't know, like Danny Green and Matisse Thibault. I don't yeah, know. I know I, that I wish that Philadelphia had a more obvious trading chip than Danny Green. Um, yeah. But they really don't. So it, yeah, I don't I'm necessarily know. Tobias that, Harris. Yeah, no, thank you. No, thank you. Um I definitely think that Philly's got to keep their options open and maybe they'll see if Buddy Hield's uh, shooting slump continues to fade and have another conversation. But, um, you know, Daryl Morey and um, Monty McNair have a long history. I'm sure they've talked. Yeah, yeah. Um, But, yeah, I mean, there's still a lot up in the air there. I mean, most trades obviously will be – waited on until later in the season. People that were signed this offseason can't even be moved yet. Um, just, you know, James Harden uh, pushed his way out of town after that uh, performance that we saw against the Lakers and some post-game comments. It was uh, Houston just ready to get it over with, understandably so. And I'll be monitoring it close since uh, my fantasy team decided to auto-draft James Harden. Um, so that, oh, that'll no. be a – yeah, no, it was, I was not the most excited. Um but yeah, I mean, it was it, it, the NBA is a fun and entertaining league. Let me tell you, yeah. and that is quite the trio to to keep tabs on with you know all these uh, Kyrie Irving, who knows what's going on, and he's popping up in random Zoom meetings. Um, yeah, it's going to be entertaining, and maybe Sacramento Absolutely. can have some sort of conversation with Philadelphia down the line. I, again, I think that. Um, there's probably – I'm going to keep hounding from both sides of Barnes into Boston's TPE sort of situation. Um, but, yeah, I don't think that this trade has too much of an impact on, on Sacramento, aside from what you pointed out, and maybe top teams in the East feel a little bit more inclined to make a move now. Yeah, definitely. Um, like you said, as a fan of good basketball, but also as a dude who loves the natural storylines that flare up in the playoffs, uh, it's nice that there's a team in the East – that's kind of easy to root against. I mean, I kind of like that the Brooklyn Nets have blossomed from this plucky team of ne'er-do-wells to uh, James Harden, who easy to see as a villain right now, um, basically just flipped off his whole team as he walked out the door. Um, Kyrie Irving, outstanding player, does a ton of meaningful, wonderful things off the court. Uh, Has it been the best teammate this year? And uh, I mean, Here's hoping Kevin Durant stays healthy. It's great to see him out there uh, really overcoming one of the worst injuries a professional basketball player can get. But uh, we all know why he's a villain. So I'm going to really enjoy whichever matchups Brooklyn gets in the playoffs. And I will sit there the entire time 
just thinking that, man, if this was Jared Allen instead of DeAndre Jordan, it would be so much better for them because oh, I, yeah. just will never, I will never understand. I will never understand. I, I, I absolutely agree with you. All right, I'm going to put you as a Boston fan on the spot here. Seven-game series between the two teams. What happens? I mean, Boston's offense is uh, – their defense isn't they, – they were supposed to be a team that was writing their defense this year, and that's that's not happening right now. They don't have the wing defenders to – to stop the the firepower that that Brooklyn has, so I mean, honestly, it's probably Brooklyn in six. Um, it sucks to say, and yeah, Brooklyn, uh, Boston lacks a little bit of creation right now too, and maybe that changes with Kemba coming back. But yeah, without a move, I certainly uh, hope so. Yeah, w- without a move, um, it, it's probably Brooklyn. But yeah, I mean, it, it's hard to put really many teams above that level of talent and a lot of it's just going to have to do with how they click. Cause I think there is a, a scenario where Boston wins that series, but I, I would yeah, bet on. Brooklyn. I agree. I agree with you. It will be uh, like we said, Nets don't really need to make it all work to be an incredibly dangerous team in the playoffs, but uh, they won't win a championship unless they figure out any sort of real balance. Yeah, and I see a lot of people saying this will be the last thing, and then we'll kind of get out of here. Um, that that Brooklyn's roster is very thin now, and I don't. Uh, I'm going to pull it up exactly here. I saw a list of it earlier. I think they have some quietly okay depth guys that I, I guess you know sometimes don't show, and that's the worry. Um, but when you're, I think when you're top heavy like this, you can make that work. Like I think Bruce Brown and Landry Shamit mm-hmm. are, are fine rotation players. Um, and of course, this does not want to load right now for me. Um, I believe Jeff Green is on that roster, who I think you know it will give you minutes. Like I, I think they have players that will fill in the rest of the minutes when you just need two other guys on the floor, just fine. Like I, I think people are overstating the lack of depth a little bit. I am worried about the lack of depth in terms of big men. Um, if Jeff Green is your first big off the bench, I think that's a problem. Uh, I definitely think they'll miss Jared Allen. Uh, yeah. But I agree with you. Bruce Brown's a great player. Um, it's a real shame that Spencer Dinwiddie is hurt this year because he could have really played a meaningful role for a really good team right now. So uh, I'd be kind of surprised if Brooklyn doesn't find some way to get another big. But uh, I agree with you in that superstars win in this league. We yeah. thought the Lakers. We thought the Lakers weren't deep, and they won the championship. Yeah. I forgot Joe Harris somehow. Um, I oh, think yeah. Tyler Johnson is an okay backup point guard, um, especially when he's not really having the ball in his hands. Um, like Luau Cabral will give you away some minutes, I guess. Um, Shout out to Reggie Perry getting yeah, 22 it, minutes tonight. Did he really? Wow. 11 points, five rebounds, one and two from three. If he starts hitting, I mean – there's an opportunity for him right there. We know there were interesting Claxton moments last year as well, um, but it's not guys that you look at and are like, those are rotation guys on a championship team, or at least like the second big on a championship team. Yeah. So I you have a good point with the lack of center depth there. Um, yeah. But yeah. I, but I it think also that, might not matter. Yeah. And, you know, hopefully Sacramento doesn't have a lack of center depth last year when we're talking Rashawn Holmes and Evan Mobley on this roster. I want competitive <laughs> games um, with – that with that show growth in these guys and you know I, I don't mind I don't mind these losses to be honest. Yeah. I I just encourage every Kings fan who uh sweats it out from game to game basis. It this is a developmental year. Don't sweat it. 
We take this team one game at a time. We're going to say it every episode. We need to add it to the outro. Why not? Um, but that is going to do it for this episode of the King's Pulse podcast, guys. We will have, um, like like we do every episode, something sticky to the top of the King's uh, subreddit where you can comment there and let us know any sort of feedback or topics you'd like to hear us touch on, any questions or anything like that. Um, great work going on from myself, Brian, and all the other guys at the King's Herald. Um, definitely go read the site there they're often uh breaking down any sort of news games anything going on and support the patreon to support local independent kings coverage and if you enjoyed this episode please subscribe rate and review and you'll hear from us again in the next couple of days here